even with the chaos, the, the descent into hell that we're headed into right now, we're still, unfortunately, if we don't hold the banner high and if we don't rise above this, the whole rest of the world is going to suffer. And people feel alone and they feel silent. But if they just go to a rally, if they just join a Facebook group, if they just meet us, they will find that there's this incredible, magical realm of happiness and patriotism and camaraderie. We have to embrace the joy of this journey as we fight because things are still pretty darn great. Ready to live at the higher vibrations where peace, love, joy, and good health are the daily standard? That's what this show is all about. Welcome to Vibe. And here's your host, Robin Openshaw. Hey everyone, it's Robin Openshaw and welcome back to the Vibe Show. Today is going to be really fun because, and I'm just doing this of whole cloth. I'm not doing an intro after interviewing my guest. He's right here with me and, I, and I'm not going to give a big long bio. I just want to tell you guys this really interesting story. So on Saturday, um, I gave a talk at a protest for about a thousand people here in Utah. Not the first time, not even the fifth time. The last six months has kind of been what my life has been about. And, and at the first um, the first protest that I put on, this one I wasn't one that I put on, but the first one I put on, a very interesting gentleman showed up and we gave him the mic and people seemed to know him. He seemed to be rather a fixture at these, at these different uh, rallies and protests as we've seen our state, our governor, uh, throw down over 50 illegal unconstitutional mandates these days. Now, if you are used to, on the Vibe Show, we talk about all things high vibration, and we talk a lot about health and nutrition and wellness, and you guys have seen that the last six months, it's almost like, uh, pause the programming while we instead talk about these other issues. I still think they have everything to do with, you know, our high vibration life in 2020, where everything changed so radically. In fact, it's changing so, so quickly, it's hard to even keep up with what's going on. Um, so you will find this to be very different content. However, I think there's a strong fit here. I am completely amazed by this human being I'm about to, uh, to interview. Um, and while this is different content than you're used to on my show, I think this is going to be mind expanding. So settle into your, to your comfortable chair and be prepared to have your mind expanded because today... I am interviewing the drag queen, or he prefers to be called the drag artist, Ryan, who goes by Lady Maga. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Hello, God bless America. Hello, everyone. I am Lady Maga USA, and it is an honor to be here with you today, Robin. Well, it's, it's so, so nice that you would take your time to do this because, uh, you know, we're, we're all busy, but I just have seen you showing up at different events. And what I said to John, because you really blew his mind with a comment that you made, Ryan, and, I, and I'll get to that in a second, what you said to him that completely changed his attitude toward you. Not, he, not that he had a, necessarily like a bad attitude towards you, but just the whole drag artist thing. So before we get into that and what you said that was what I think an example of what we all need to do more of, um, staying in dialogue with people who don't necessarily understand us that you did on Saturday. That's a lot of why I was just like, oh my gosh, I wonder if Ryan would come on my show. 
tell us, tell us your story because you very, you, you came as a beautiful, actually six foot, I think you're something like six foot three or six foot four. Hey uh, man, in the, in the shoes I was wearing, I was about seven feet tall. So <laughs> <laughs> what are you really? Six, four? Uh, six, two. Okay. Yeah. You just seem like gigantically tall, but like, I am. Yeah. We'll put a photo of Lady Maga in the show notes, you guys, so that you can see like he's really great at doing makeup and he's really quite beautiful, but literally seven feet tall. And just describe your outfit, better coming from you. Well, I always wear uh, red, white, and blue. So my outfit, I had um, very, you know, I always have big hair. I usually have uh, two to three wigs that are sewn together so that you get the big, big hair because the bigger the hair, the smaller the face. So it kind of makes your face look a little less masculine because I got myself a big chin and a big nose. Um, <laughs> and so I had the big hair. I had a, a tiara on. I always wear a tiara. And it had illuminated LED lights throughout the sparkles to add that magic. <laughs> and um, my inspirations for all of my looks, it's basically um, uh, Barbie, Disney Princess, and Elle Woods kind of mixed in with a little touch of Dolly Parton in there. So big, big <laughs> blonde hair. Um, but that day I didn't have time to get ready. So I think you could tell I was only wearing a little mascara and some concealer. That's it. Right, Robin? Uh, you had a lot of makeup on. <laughs> oh, no, no. Yeah, no. So the face, eyelashes that are basically like, you know, as long as a, a credit card held horizontally and uh, lipstick and I wear special contacts that make my eyes look very big and blue and then what did I have huge poofy blue sleeves and my sash that says Lady Maga USA and then a sparkly shirt and a big poofy skirt with a blue lives matter bedazzled flag on the side and then of course uh, two pairs of tights and boots that came up you know very tall boots red boots that are kind of a signature um, fashion statement that I like to make and so just very red white and blue basically I just look like a seven foot tall uh pro Trump Barbie <laughs> yeah seven foot tall pro Trump Barbie who's clearly a man but a, actually a beautiful woman and so and I think that's well, the thing yeah like you, yeah. you you walk into the room and you get all the attention and that's probably um you know where John went wrong in in sort of prejudging you not that not that he didn't like you Ryan he just you know, he's kind of like your alpha male. Let's go to what happened at the first uh, protest that we had on the Capitol steps. Not talking about this last Saturday night, but. Right. Oh, I remember. That. I remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, I, I go to all these protests and, um, you know, safety is always a concern because I'm dressed up and the uh, LGBT leftist radicals hate me. So um, his, uh, when I met, it's John, right? Yes. Yeah, so when I saw John, he was open carrying. And let me tell you, nothing makes me feel safer than a conservative who is open carrying. And so I always keep an eye out at these rallies just for someone who's open carrying because if anything goes down, they're going to be the ones who save us. So I walked up to him and I just basically said, um, hey, can I do a quick little video with you? I want America to know that as a gay man who's all dressed up at these conservative rallies, nothing makes me feel safer than someone like John who is open carrying and exercising his second amendment rights to defend himself. And of course, 
those around him. Because for me, open carrying a gun with my whole Lady Maga look just wouldn't be a cute look, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So, um, although maybe that would be as long as I bedazzled it a little bit, you know, I got to bedazzle everything. So um, I spoke to him and I thanked him for open carrying. And I just basically told him that I appreciate him. And um, I also tell everybody at these rallies, someone like John, you mentioned that he is an alpha male. We'll get into that a little bit, but I am as alpha as they come, believe it or not. Love it. Um, So I I tell people like him, look, I am at this rally dressed up like this to make a very political statement. And it's a pro-conservative statement. It's a way of sticking it to the leftists. Basically, you know, they love to push the narrative that conservatives are homophobic and Trump supporters are bigots. But with me at all these rallies, you know, taking hundreds of photos with smiling people, it proves them wrong. That's one reason they hate me. And I told him and I tell everyone this, I am here fighting for you because as a gay person and as a drag queen, I am not persecuted. Like I am overprotected. I have extra special protections. I have extra special rights and that's not fair. So when I'm out doing my activism in the back of my mind, I am thinking of people like John, heterosexual, alpha family oriented christian people who are being persecuted by people who um have a few things in common with me who are gay who are uh, part of the so-called lgbt community so i just john is the exact type of guy that i am defending with my activism and that uh, that often shocks people because they see oh my god a drag queen you know drag queen story hour and, and sicko drag queens doing sexual things in parades and so they, they fear me, but if they just have one little conversation with me or scroll my social media, um, they understand that I'm actually out defending them. So that's, that was my little experience with John. And he was, he was, I asked him if I could give him a hug and he was, he was like so awkward. He didn't know. I'm sure he's never met somebody like me, but he was gracious. And here's the funny thing. You mentioned that um, he was uncomfortable and didn't quite understand what was going on. The funny thing is, even conservatives who hate that I dress up, who hate the idea of Lady Maga USA, are gracious. They're kind. They don't call me names. They don't insult me. And the leftists do. So again, I love to defy that narrative that conservatives are these violent, mean, anti-gay, terrible, hateful people, because the exact opposite is what really is true. Yeah, it's been interesting to lead a bunch now, uh, now of protests and everybody who shows up, they're all law abiding, you know, like you said, like good conservative Christian. Uh, they wouldn't even dream of doing, you know, the horrible things that we've seen the left do um, where there's Never. so much violence. Never in so a million much- years. No, no. Every I've been to I've been to conservative events in Washington, D.C., Chicago, Orange County, Uh, Dallas, uh, New Mexico. I've I've traveled very extensively to all sorts of different um, conservative events, including a Trump rally. And they are peaceful. People are smiling. Um, And it's, there's a magic. I call it the MAGA magic. It's a, it's a magical experience because the energy you mentioned that you talk a lot about frequencies, the frequency at these events is just immensely positive, immensely uplifting. And um, they like to portray it as the opposite and, and they pretend that we're violent or threatening people. 
And it's just, it's not true. And they welcome anybody. Now, if I were dressed like a slut and I were dressed like most drag queens, you know, pushing a, a deviant uh, sexual persona and behavior, then I think it would be different. But my drag is G-rated. Mine is uplifting and positive and fun and silly, not sexual. So, um, yeah, it's incredible to be surrounded by people like John and have those conversations because um, at the end of the day, we're all Americans and we have the exact same goal. I use a wig and a, and a sparkly outfit to promote our our cause and he open carries at a rally. So we all have our individual roles, but I would like to awaken um, dignified, patriotic, hardworking, capitalist, LGBT people and let them know that they are in fact welcome on the Trump train. They are welcome uh, with conservatives, but they feel that they're not. So that's one of the reasons I deliberately dress up to let them know, uh, come, come on over. But don't you come dressed as sluts. This is not a pride parade. <laughs> yeah, you actually said when you did that video, you did a video with John on the Capitol steps that day. In fact, uh -huh. I was doing a video, I was doing a media interview and I looked over and I saw you doing this video and somebody was holding your phone or whatever and, and you were pointing to John's gun and you were saying, I feel safer with you here than I do in a pride parade. And Oh, absolutely. 100%. Um, any, any leftist event, um, I'm, I'm very much like you. I grew up Mormon and I embrace my Mormon history and my blood is pioneer blood. So I love the Mormon principle of the spirit. And you basically know when you feel the spirit and when you don't. And that's just a universal idea, energy, frequency, positivity. And um, I've been to a few pride events. And the last one I went to was um, last summer in June. And um, I, was, I had not yet released the Lady Maga USA persona. And so I was interviewing people just in a, in a cheerleader kind of USA costume and asking them, if you had one minute with President Trump, what would you say? And literally, people would say, I would kill him. And I would say, wow. you're joking, right? And they said, no, literally, if I could do it, I would kill him. And so their energy is negative. And I remember while I was doing these interviews, these two women walked by. Let me just describe what you see at a so-called pride parade. So uh, the one woman was topless with um, duct tape over her nipples. The other woman was leading her by a black leather leash. And the one who was topless was covered in fake blood, which I'm guessing represents menstrual blood because for some reason leftists are obsessed with uh, menstruation. And then a little girl probably three, maybe four, walked by in a little princess outfit, and she saw that. And I just thought, this is debaucherous. This is disgusting. This is not my community. I want nothing to do with this. I could never bring my sister or one of my 50 nieces and nephews to this and not feel as though I was, in some ways, emotionally abusing them. Because no community needs to be exposed. Like, if, they, if those ladies want to do that weird activity in the privacy of their home, go for it. Nobody cares. But why does the LGBT radical cult, I call it a cult, insist on bringing bedroom sexuality and in, in my eyes, a lot of deviancy into the public eye? So 
I just, I, I don't, how can you feel safe at something like that? Because it's not a safe space. They love to use the term safe space, but wouldn't a safe space entail a division between what is appropriate for adults and what is appropriate for children? And they blur that line. And that is, that is a major beef that dignified gay people have right now with the LGBT community because um, drag queen story hour, they're in libraries and they're, they're pushing their agenda in libraries. They're reading stories about transgenderism. They're literally stripping in front of kids. They're teaching kids to twerk. And I am just so sick of this um, debaucherous display of, uh, of just gross behavior everywhere from the LGBT community. And I know I'm not alone because they are the loud ones. They are the ones pushing this, they are out there. And there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dignified gay people across the globe who just wanna live their life and be their creative selves without pushing what you see in pride parades. And they get more and more disgusting every year because um, heterosexual women and all these people who claim to be LGBTQ, Q means nothing, it means queer. So that means you're a girl who wants the attention of being part of the community and an excuse to go walk around in a thong covered in menstrual blood. So it's been taken over by all people who want to identify and just go out there and be disgusting. And I want nothing to do with it. And that is why my drag is like the worst, the, the sexiest thing I'll do is like, I did a photo shoot with a red, white and blue, um, bikini top holding an actual um albino python like britney spears like joking you know to make to make kind of a little britney spears moment but i just i just can't handle the radical direction that these um lgbt people are taking so i don't feel positivity i don't feel safe i don't feel comfortable at any of these pride parades but when i'm when i'm at a conservative rally i feel safe i feel protected I feel happy I feel uplifted because the energy is just completely different super interesting and I would imagine that your opinions about what you called when we were talking on Saturday the LGBTQ cult um, you came by those opinions probably from experience you told me when you were you were getting out of your car on Saturday and we were headed to our car because I needed to speak at that protest but it was also John's 40th birthday. Actually, it's today's his 40th birthday, but we were, we were celebrating it. We had Happy dinner birthday, reservations. John. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't I'll look 40, him. by the way. I honestly would have thought he was like 29. He looks well, really young. I know. Well, black it, don't crack, right? Can I say that? He says that. He's the one who taught me. <laughs> yeah. And, and, I, and we almost very much didn't get together. The, he's really the best thing that's ever happened to me. And we almost didn't get together. And that's why is that when he walked up to me, and introduced himself to me and pretty much asked me out. I just looked at him and I was like, oh, little, you're just, you're 29. Like, come on. Um, and then I found out how old he was and I was like, still too young, still way too young. But, um, but he, you know, it hasn't ever bothered him. The age difference, no, but well, no, you you're exactly right. Cute. Well, I think we also should mention that I was at this protest surrounded by conservative Trump supporters and he was a black guy with a gun. And I, I always try to get supports videos. Trump. <laughs> right. I always try to get videos that defy the leftist narrative. I'm doing a new little series on my Instagram and stuff called Defeating Stereotypes. And I just interviewed a black opera singer, this beautiful woman. I was in DC. And I, I just love to defy the stereotype because the left always whines and 
cries about stereotypes and the harm they cause. Well, what about the stereotypes of conservatives? At every rally, you see, you, you see gay people, you see black people, Asian people, all the colors of the rainbow. Like the real rainbow is um, a, a Trump rally. <laughs> so yeah, he was, he was a, I, I saw him and I just beelined. I was like, this, I want this visual out there because he defies the narrative that all Trump supporters are fat trailer park Nazis. Yeah, I've been seeing the uh, mainstream media do that when there's some kind of rally or whatever. They they managed to get a photo of who they're trying to make uh, conservatives look like, and it's it's very sad and it's very offensive to me. Um, but yeah, John's the one who taught me that Black Lives Matter is not what it appears to be on the sur- surface, and that it's a complete insult to Black people, and does nothing but set back race relations and civil rights. Oh, well, it's keeping them in their place. They want them to be victims. They want them to be poor. They want them to be on welfare. They want them to live in violence and poverty because then they are easy to control because they can endlessly promise change. And these people who are suffering hear that and they think that they have to go that direction. Yeah. The, the woman I interviewed, her name is nutrition. Um, the opera singer, she said, if I could talk to Black Lives Matter, I would tell them, you are not a victim. She literally was um, chopping cotton. She grew up in uh, Jim Crow. Like she had to drink at the colored fountain. She had no silver spoon whatsoever. And now she is an opera singer with three degrees. And so her message to Black Lives Matter is, you're teaching everyone that they're a victim. And she says, you are not a victim, you are a victor, you will be victorious. So um, that's why people like John are offended by their narrative, because the narrative is, you can't make it. Everything is against you. And that's so insulting. And, and they, they do the same thing with gay people, like, oh, you're gay. We live in such a heteronormative, uh, homophobic society. It's so hard for you. And it's like, no, it's not. I'm, articul- I'm articulate. I'm hardworking. I am friendly and I smile and I can do anything I want. And if somebody is a legitimate homophobe and homophobia is basically a myth at this point, people might disagree with homosexuality, but all, anytime you hear someone saying, they called me a fag, they called me this, they attacked me. It's like, no, 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 no. I question your story because it just doesn't happen. Maybe in like tiny small towns somewhere in Missouri or something, it's a little different. But across America today, I have the upper hand as a gay person, and I don't think that that's fair. Yeah, that was very articulate, very well put. And on Saturday, you said to me, um, I went on an LDS or Mormon mission, and when I got home, I came out to my family as gay, and there were tears, and there was some drama. But what happened when I came out as conservative to the LGBT <laughs> cult oh. was 600 times worse, is what you said to me. Tell, 600. Tell us about that. Absolutely, and it, and it continues to this day. So I grew up Mormon, um, you know, very, very strict. I'm the youngest of eight children, and I grew up in a super Mormon family, an Eagle Scout, and um, I served the mission for two years in France. And then um, I came home, and I, I went to conversion therapy because I wanted to be straight. I thought the mission would set me straight because I viewed my uh, homosexuality as wrong because I was always taught that. So I was dating a girl and um, her father actually left their family because he's gay. So that was kind of an eye opener. And I just realized um, 
the narrative is kind of like, yeah, you're gay, it's not bad, but the ideal is still try to marry a woman. And I personally feel it's wrong to convince a woman to marry me when I cannot emotionally and romantically give her all that she deserves. So I did leave the Mormon church. Um, I came out, although I still consider myself a Mormon in so many ways. Like I, I, love, I love the fundamental core values that make me who I am. But um, yeah, I you said that my... you go. You said that you go back to pioneers, and I do too, Ryan. I'm the yeah. oldest of eight, but I feel like, like like when people ask me to like identify myself, I say, well, I'm not. I'm not a practicing LDS person. I'm not a believer in all of the things about the faith. But don't ever try to tell me that I'm not Mormon, at least culturally, because it's DNA deep for me. My people pull Girl, that's hearts. Exactly how I feel. That's so funny. You're the oldest of eight, and I'm the youngest of eight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, there's so much beauty. It, it, it just and I, what I do, like you've seen me dressed up in my pioneer drag, like my bonnet and, um, and, and those outfits, and it's not making fun of anything. I literally consider myself a modern pioneer with what I'm doing, because on the level that I've done it, no one else has ever done this. And so that pioneer blood is within me, and I, I honor it, and I carry it with me. And I, I would be a total idiot to throw away all of the wonderful things that I learned from the Mormon church. So, so back to coming out. Um, I was actually raised by um, an anti-gay activist, which was very rough. I actually marched against the homosexuals as a child and held signs and um, it, was, it was pretty rough. So when I came out, I was very um, afraid and uh, my mother's reaction was very traumatic and a lot of my family members were just devastated. And it was emotionally difficult but we immediately worked through it. We had conversations and we came to a place to where now in my family, I'm not the only gay person in my family and, and we're over it. We're just completely over it. They actually got over it quicker than I did in many ways. So it was difficult. But when I decided, because I was, I was a very successful drag queen here in Utah, I was in the number one show. It's called Viva La Diva and it was celebrity impersonation. So. I was hired to do Britney Spears and uh, Rapunzel in the, in the Disney show, had a great time. But um, the drag queens publicly in all shows across the state and America feel the need to attack the Mormon church, to attack Christians, to attack our president, especially. And I would always just bite my tongue and think, oh, you know, free speech, whatever. But um, as time went on, I realized I support our president. I am a conservative. And if I were to show up at rehearsal wearing my MAGA hat, I would literally be asked to leave. And I just sort of let it go for a very long time. But I had a final straw. I was doing a, a, a RuPaul's Drag Race Queen came into town and was performing like big names. And then they have the, the local names perform as well. And I uh, performed Carrie Underwood, a medley my first performance actually ever was Carrie Underwood, Jesus Take the Wheel. <laughs> oh, I love that song. I love that song. It makes me cry. I was just bawling, you know, performing in my terrible, my drag was terrible when I first started. And so I was just singing that. So I did a medley. I did, I did Jesus Take the Wheel, Carrie Underwood's rendition of the Star Spangled Banner, and then some of her other songs that are kind of poppy and I danced. And I went up into the dressing room um, this was at Metro, I think, in Salt Lake City. And on the wall, there was just a giant poster. And it said, F Trump. And I realized in that moment, I'm back in the closet. 
I can't be who I am. I can't say what I feel. I have to bite my tongue and I have to hide everything that I really stand for. And I thought, I'm not doing this anymore. So I created the persona, a second drag persona, uh, Lady Maga USA. And I thought, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go for this because I cannot be in the closet again. I was deeper in the closet as a conservative drag artist than I was as a, as a Mormon, as a gay Mormon. So wow. when I, when I decided to leave what I do call the LGBC cult, and I'll explain why I call it a cult. That's one reason they hate me so much is because I use that term. Um, I went on my uh, social media as my former drag persona, Rihanna Woods. Rihanna is the name they tormented me with in school. I was relentlessly teased as a kid, egg smashed on my head. Now that was traumatizing. Um, why? And then Woods. Why would well, they, why did they call you well, Rihanna? Well, cause my name's Ryan and Rihanna was just a way of making fun of me. Um, I was always called a fag and a fairy. And I actually had to get a variant to another middle school cause the bullying was so bad. Like the, well, they'd smash eggs on my head when I was walking home from school. And um, I was always, I, I was just relentlessly teased cause I was a pretty effeminate kid and I've always been into singing and dancing and performing. So. Okay. I so for, first of all, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. That just absolutely breaks my heart. And then my it other, rough, yeah. <laughs> the other thing, and I just, I can't imagine how much trauma you have had to deal with. You are so like put together for what, what you've really been through. I can't, I cannot even imagine. I mean, to be born into a like anti-gay activist home and then have to come out and then just everything else that you've told us. But, um, how, but my other question is if that was your, upbringing and you had all these tendencies how could your family have been shocked well oh gosh that's such a good question um my mother uh bless her heart both of my parents are um in heaven now my mom recently oh. passed and um i always knew she loved me she would let me do the the school plays and the performing groups and dance class and all of that stuff so i knew she knew that that made me happy and anytime we had a phrase ALAG and ALAG meant acting like a girl. And in hindsight, that seems kind of oppressive, like ALAG, like stop acting like that. And it was just like me being me. I'm, I'm a fairly flamboyant person. But now looking back, I realized that was her way of protecting me because she knew how bullied I was at school. She saw me crying and being afraid to walk home. And she's the one who got me a variance to another school so that I wouldn't be um, physically harmed by the the eighth graders and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it was, it was an eggshell to break out of. And my family, when I did come out of the closet, I don't think anyone was shocked, but well, I don't think anyone was surprised, but they were shocked. Does that make sense? Hmm. Like they didn't yeah. want to face that. Cause I put on the show, I mean, I was an Eagle Scout and I was the most devout Mormon missionary you have ever met. Like I was zone leader. I was everything. And so because I played the role so well and I tried so hard to be that perfect Mormon, I think they figured, yeah, he's effeminate. Yeah, he loves singing and dancing and Britney Spears and all the things that he loves. But eventually, with God and with faith, he's going to meet the right woman. And once he meets the right woman, he'll get married. So, And you um, tried. You tried hard. Oh, girl, I tried. Yeah. And on behalf like, of all women, can I just thank you for not marrying a woman? Literally. I mean, yeah. yeah, my ex-girlfriend, her life was devastated when, um, when her father left their family, and I just realized I can't do that. Plus, on, 
within me, I was, I was feeling suicidal. I was feeling like this isn't going away. And it actually was, um, I'm open about my um, history of suicidality and the trauma that I've been through. And so I realized after um, being in the hospital that I can't do this anymore. I either am going to be tormented and live in hell trying to fight this, or I can just accept what is, come out of the closet and try and be the best person that I can be as a gay man, because I'm not going to fall in love with a woman. I'm not going to marry a woman and try and convince her that she can be happy with me because that's unethical. That being said, I do know there are gay um, Mormon men who marry women and they work it out. And I believe that if the man is honest with the woman about his sexual feelings and she accepts that, like that's their business. A lot of gay people judge them, but I don't. That's as long as, as long as the woman knows what's up, I feel like that's their private business and I would never judge it, but that would not work for me. So um, yeah, I came out of the closet and I was at Brigham Young University wow. and I was in their journalism program, which is, is so amazing. And I knew I would get an incredible internship and everything, but I just felt that it was unethical to stay at the school if I wasn't willing to abide by their honor code. And the LGBT radical cult is always protesting BYU and they're at Temple Square saying BYU is so discriminatory and I don't believe that they are. It is a private institution. They can believe whatever the heck they want. No one is forced to go to BYU and I would like them to change their policy. Sure, that's great, but they don't have to. I left Brigham Young University and went to the University of Utah um, because I, I didn't want to be a liar or a hypocrite and I didn't feel that it was um, my place to try to force them to change their religious beliefs to accommodate me. So I, I went to the University of Utah, I came out of the closet, I um, graduated and I traveled the world and did documentary work and all kinds of stuff. And um, I made the right choice in coming out of the closet, but it was, it was a rough journey, but it was nothing compared to the <laughs> hatred and drama and harassment and threats that I received being um, a gay Trump supporter. Also, you mentioned at the Trump rallies, um, my degree is in journalism and I was actually an intern um, for NPR and KUER here in Utah. And I would cover the legislature and I knew what my editors wanted at NPR and, and uh, I knew exactly the narrative that they push. And there's no such thing as objective journalism at NPR. Mm. And I would interview one side and the other so it looked fair but i would pick the most articulate um put together wonderful representative of the left and then i would pick the stupidest uh, most inarticulate you know loser type sounding person to represent the opposite side and use sound bites and clips to make them look bad and that is what they do at trump rallies those media people i've only been interviewed once and as a journalist, what's newsworthy at this Trump rally? The drag queen, true or false? True. But they never talk to me. And the media, the leftist media stays clear of me. When I first came out, City Weekly did a terrible smear article on me, the Trump queen, getting all these quotes from other drag queens, how horrible I am and all this stuff. But then they've never come back. They never cover anything I do um, because they don't want my narrative out there. That's why I'm so grateful to be talking to you right now and anyone who's willing to hear this story because 
the left refuses to acknowledge that I exist. After a lifetime of being feeling marginalized and like you can't be you, now you, you have that and it's just like you have to pick one camp or another. That's really sad. If it makes you feel any better, I was just the feature. I was the you know focus of an article in The Atlantic. And if anybody knows anything about The Atlantic, it is a huge national newspaper and they reached out oh, to yeah. me so they, they wanted to talk to me about contact tracing and my views on contact tracing and the only reason i even said yes to the interview because i knew that they will only want to smear me and that it was absolutely going to be whatever liberal um angle that the editor tells the writer to <laughs> go with and they probably only choose really liberal writers anyway um, the only reason i agreed to do it is that i knew that they had watched a facebook live i had done that went viral and hundreds of thousands of people saw it about contact tracing long before there were contact tracers, but just say, saying, hey, this is what's coming. And this is why you as a freedom loving person should be really concerned about this. And here's how to stand up to it. Anyways, I knew that she was going to quote me anyways. I knew that she already had that content. And so I thought, well, I'll just, you know, try to clarify and, and give more nuance to my, to, to what I've said publicly already. And the funny thing is, is when it came out, she didn't really smear me for my opinions so much, but she just, I had given her so many great quotes about the real issues around us having a health Gestapo and spending a hundred billion dollars worth of money we don't even have to have these, you know, like non, not even medical professionals, like going door to door and harassing people and just basically what communist China has. But you know what they did in the article? Like all they really wanted to do is just like you said, just these kind of little underhanded digs. The first line in the thing is my thin arched eyebrows. Like what does that have to do with anything? And then, and then a paragraph later, I'm making karate chopping motions with my hand. I mean, just, it, just little things that sort of subtly try to make me look like an idiot. And um, so I, I'm sorry that you've been so thrown out by the, the LGBT community. Oh, honey, I'm not. No, I never, I never fit in with them. And I'll tell you why. Because I consider myself culturally and spiritually Mormon. So every show, they would be doing the nastiest, most explicit, most gross performances. And I always did like Britney Spears or, you know, um, Disney or something really fun and poppy and like dancing. Never, never overtly sexual or perverted. So I, I, never fit in with them in the first place. And I thought that was the only avenue where I could express myself artistically and have a stage and a spotlight and really enjoy uh, what I do, creating these personas and practicing my choreography and coming up with a look and fashion. Because for me, um, drag is, it's a very consummate art form. I get to do fashion design. I get to do makeup artistry. I get to do performing and choreography and all of that. So it, I had to turn to them because I felt like that was the only place I could really do this. And it sort of is, you know, drag is not a mainstream everyday uh, thing, but I've had tons of other performance opportunities. And of course, creating digital content is a way of performing. And I'm working on some really fun projects right now. Um, and I, I can express myself artistically and also save America at the same time. <laughs> yeah, and so I, I don't miss them. I'm not sad that I'm excommunicated. Their words, not mine. Excommunicated and no longer welcome to any LGBTQ space in Utah. They told me that. But the, the, uh, the irony is I am now the most 
famous drag queen in the history of the state of Utah. <laughs> I didn't even want it. <laughs> I honestly, I don't care about um, followers or fame or any of that. The only reason I do pursue all of that is because the bigger the following, the, the more views, the more the message actually gets out there because I could have fun. Like I've done private parties forever and I'll do like um, parties for friends and stuff like that. So I could still be doing it, but now I want that larger audience to get this message out there. And just the other day I realized, oh my gosh, I'm, you all hate me so much, but um, the best revenge is success. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think that um, what's been super instructive for me watching people react to you is that uh, you're not letting people slot human beings in file folders because as we learned from Lady Maga slash Ryan is that we should see each other as people, not as, well, he's a drag queen, therefore he's politically leftist and hates conservatives. Therefore he probably hates Mormons too. And you just, you just defy all of it. You turn it all upside down. And, and this brings me to that, you know, what I'm alluded to before is that I feel like what's missing that we used to have in 1776 that brought us the absolutely amazing and inspired U S constitution is um, dialogue where people just stay in dialogue and the founding fathers were, you know, they, they disagreed vehemently with each other on many, many points and hundreds of hours, I believe, um, of the time of the founders are what resulted in that amazing inspired document. But now what we do is like, I, I can't even count how many times on Facebook I've seen, you know, if you're voting for Trump, get out of, get off my Facebook. Oh yeah. They won't even talk. They won't even yeah. give us the time of day and they just dismiss you with labels immediately because as a drag queen now i am a racist i am a nazi i am a white supremacist i am they just throw those labels and um and then they the left always loves to physically insult me and bully me with you know my hands or my makeup or whatever they can they can pinpoint but yeah there's just no dialogue and the funny thing is we are willing to have a discussion with them but Robin, the reality is the reason they will not talk with us is because we are based in reality. We use factual information. When we talk about black lives, we bring up where black lives really are at risk and in, and in danger across our nation. And that's in black neighborhoods across our country. We care about those people. So they know that they cannot debate us. And that's why they use the Saul Alinsky rules for radicals and just mock and dismiss and keep repeating, 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 repeating the words racist, the words white supremacy in order to feed their narrative. So that, that is what's missing because I feel like the founding fathers, I, I think they all had some really good points. And I think they were all based in reality, not just feelings, where now they won't talk to us because they know that they will not, I, I hate to use the word win, but they will not be able to sustain their views when presented with the facts, which is what conservatives do. Like Ben Shapiro said, facts don't care about your feelings. And that is just the truth. So I think that's one reason they won't talk with us and they just label us. Um, but I also get backlash from the conservative community every now and then. There's still the good old boys, elitist, uh, system within the uh, Republican and conservative movement, and they're they're not too thrilled about gays joining. Although I know my president Donald Trump uh, loves me, he supports me, 
he's he sells rainbow make america great again hats on his website and what no one wants to talk about is he is the most pro-gay pro-lgbt president in american history in front of the united nations donald trump denounced these savage and barbaric countries that torture kill and imprison people like me across the globe. No other president has ever done that. He looked them into their faces and stuck up for the LGBT people in America and condemned it. And then his ambassador to Germany, who also is a director of intelligence, Richard Grinnell is a gay man in his administration. And Richard Grinnell led the international campaign to fight the killing and criminalization um, of gay people across the globe. Nobody knows that. So see if the radical leftists or these drag queens were to sit down with me and i would say that there's nothing they could say to that and so they won't because they it doesn't fit their narrative so yeah that dialogue is 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 there but when i've been at protests i was assaulted by antifa in san francisco at a scott pressler cleanup and uh it happened after after the uh, antifa people were following us but before the assault i was having a conversation with these these people and i was like look you probably never seen somebody like me on this side of one of your events let's have a conversation i understand that you feel marginalized i understand that you feel threatened by us and by this administration but let's talk about the realities of how this administration affects you and your family and your future and your safety and i was having a dialogue and um other people from the Antifa side were like grabbing these people and pulling them away from me so that they would not engage in a conversation. So you're absolutely right that that, that unwillingness to have a dialogue is destroying our country and it's us versus them. But girl, my degree is in journalism and you're not gonna sell advertising in between your segments without a dramatic story about hatred and division because people getting along will not sell advertising. Yeah, and it's so sad because I'm just seeing all the the really positive race relations. I mean, we're a, a white nation who elected a black president twice, and yet, you know, we're just, I feel like we just set race relations and civil rights back by 50 years, and it's absolutely breaking my heart. But, you know, yeah, I, I'm- it's, a, it's it's tragic. It is, and, and I, you know, I, I should tell you that I'm a new Trump supporter. I did not vote, neither did John. We didn't vote for him in- um, 2016. We also, it should be noted, we also would have never voted for Hillary Clinton. We just, I just couldn't get excited about Donald Trump at all, and it didn't. Right. I've been really apolitical for a long time. But what's really interesting is that, and I was kind of like over the years getting sort of left leaning. I would say I'm a fiscal conservative and a social liberal, so you know, liberal on social policies. Um, and what I've realized, especially as I've gotten really reflective the last six months since this whole nightmare started in March. Is, is that you can't really separate the two out because what has happened while I've been sort of politically sleeping is that all these, you know, all this identity politics and all this divisiveness, it has, we've been spending a lot of money on it and we've been investing in, um, you know, brainwashing our children in the schools and I'm mm -hmm. way, way, way more awake to it. But what's super interesting is that I joined a Facebook page because I, I wouldn't say that I was full on liberal, but I was liberal on a lot of issues. I joined this Facebook page called the walk away campaign. And there's oh, a yeah, Brandon, I know Brandon. I love him. The walk away campaign is phenomenal. Because, yeah. 
Well, then you can tell me if I'm wrong on this, but I have, I mean, I think it's at about a half a million now. And these are people who are like me. We didn't always vote conservative. We didn't necessarily identify as conservatives, but we are right there now. And we support Donald Trump as we've dug in and learned more. And there are tons of gay people on there. I think maybe one or more of the founders is gay. Am I wrong? Oh, well, yeah. Brandon Strzok, he's gay. Um, Yeah. In San Francisco, um, I was there for the Scott Pressler cleanup. He is a gay Trump supporting activist who goes across America and registers voters and cleans up filthy neighborhoods. And he says this is a movement based in love. And he gathers hundreds of people everywhere he goes. And he's gay. And then that night in San Francisco, there was supposed to be a forum for LGBT conservatives with Blair White, who's a transgender Trump supporting conservative. And I was going to attend that, but the leftists bullied their venue. So they lost their venue. So we just held a freedom rally in front of the venue. And I was there with Brandon and we were on the megaphones uh, standing up for free speech. So yes, there is a massive um, movement of people who are waking up and using common sense and leaving the, the Democrat party because uh, it's just nonsense now. It's Marxism. It's communism. It's anti-capitalism. It's hatred of white people. It's hatred of Christians. I mean, the Black Lives Matter movement very clearly states that they are Marxist, that they are out to end Christianity, to end the traditional heterosexual uh, Christian family format. So, so yeah, the Walk Away campaign is amazing. I've met Brandon. Where I saw him at Politicon in Nashville, and then. Um, San Francisco and um, the walkaway campaign. I made my video. It has like 108,000 views on my Twitter. It's my pinned tweet because I made my walkaway video because I, when I first came out of the closet, I was very involved with the human rights campaign, which is a deceptive name because it's not human rights. It's gay and uh, LGBT rights. But anyway, I went to Washington, D.C. Um, they're their leaders actually flew me there. I met Al Gore. I met Tipper Gore. I met the Dixie Chicks, like the cast of Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Like I was all in there because I felt like the Democrats and that side were the only people who would actually accept me. And back then, that was a little more the case. And now that just simply is not the case. No, not if you're taking a stand for freedom and standing up against the tyranny that we're we all have to fight now. I mean, I, I've started to get really organized in bringing together all the community leaders and including you, um, you know, we've done protest after protest and our numbers are growing and people are in Utah are finally waking up. The people of Utah are so compliant that we've struggled to get enough people at our, at our protests to really show how big this, the silent majority is, but they're silent to the point where they don't show up at, they don't see themselves as protesters. They don't, see themselves as people who've, you know, ever had to, you know, sort of wrest control of our government, government from our, from our rhino, uh, from our rhino governor. Evil men like Herbert and Cox. And I'm just so sad. Um, uh, Yeah. Herbert Cox. And I'm so sad Greg Hughes didn't win. I really loved him. And um, yeah, we're, we are the silent majority and Robin, that is the damn problem. The left is not afraid to post on their social media what they believe. They are not afraid to gather. They are not afraid to loot and steal and murder and kill. They're not afraid at all to hold back or or to go out and say what they believe. 
conservatives are. And that is why I dress up as Lady Manga USA in the loudest way possible as a visual representation that if I can do this as a gay man in drag, y'all better put on your Trump hats when you go to Walmart. Y'all better show up to our rallies and actually take a stand, actually do something. Because the silent majority is not powerful because they are silent. We can be powerful at the voting booth, but that's not the only thing. We need bodies, we need people, we need organizations, we need events and parties. And by the way, if you wanna organize something and we can get speakers and have a, have a show or anything like that, I would love to do it because I, um, this month, I've lived off of my tax return and then I'm basically, I work in customer service and I'm basically taking off um, the next, the, until the election and every single day I'm going to be editing content and like you saw I show up at every single event that I can the only reason I wouldn't is if I'm out of town or something I missed a few of them but they call me their mascot like where's Lady Maga USA we need our mascot and I'm, I'm honored to be that to be that presence and be a part of this and just show the world you have to speak up. Will there be a price to pay? Yes. Will you lose friends? Yes, but those are not your real friends. You will gain an entire new family of amazing patriotic, like I have made best friends that I never would have met if I didn't speak out. And people feel alone and they feel silent when they're scrolling their social media or they're at home watching the news but if they just go to a rally, if they just join a Facebook group, if they just meet us, they will find that there's this incredible, magical realm of happiness and patriotism and camaraderie. And I always tell people, stop being so negative. Yes, things are bad. Yes, BLM is out of control. Yes, there are riots and all this stuff, but it is a dream come true a literal magical dream come true to be surrounded by fellow patriots. And I focus on that magic. And um, Margaret Thatcher said, um, I won't tell you what I'm against, but I will tell you what I'm for. And by embracing these events and being positive and being happy, like anybody who follows my social media, it's all just Lady Maga USA. You'll notice a stark contrast. I don't focus on the negative. I do positive, happy, fun, magical things to keep us uplifted on that frequency because what the left really wants is for us to be broken they want us to be angry they want us to be afraid they want us to be bitter and they are winning i have way too many conversations with conservatives and all they do is focus on the negative and that won't get us anywhere we have to embrace the joy of this journey as we fight because things are still pretty darn great in america <laughs> Yeah, they are. And with even with the chaos, the, the descent into hell that we're headed into right now, we're still, unfortunately, if we don't hold the banner high and if we don't rise above this, the whole rest of the world is going to suffer far, far worse than we are right now. And by the way, that, that walkaway campaign, that's really cool that you know, Brandon Stryka. Um, but the numbers on there, it's a last I looked of somewhere around... Um, half a million. And I, if you'll give us, if you'll send me after we finish up here today, if you'll send me your um, walkaway campaign video that you made that you got over a hundred thousand views on, I'd love yeah. to put that in the show notes along with, we'll put a, a picture of you and me from Saturday. And if you feel like it, you could send me a picture of you as Ryan, either way, um, whatever you send me, I'll make sure to put in the show notes, you guys. So check, check those out. 
But yeah, um, well, those... if they just look up Lady Maga USA anywhere from YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Parlor, um, and Instagram, they'll they'll find my content. There's there's a lot of it. But yeah, the walk away campaign is powerful. Um, Brandon is one of the reasons I actually decided to do this because I was driving in my car and I think he was on Alex Jones. I don't even know who it was, but I heard this guy talking and I was like, he sounds really gay. <laughs> and then he said he was. And I was like, are you kidding me? This is happening. This is possible. So like a year went by and I just thought maybe, maybe, maybe. And then just the radical um, LGBT cult in Utah, which is worse than than other places you know how a lot of mormons when they leave the mormon church they just feel like they have to just completely become a different person and cover themselves in tattoos and 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 do drugs and everything so the 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 lgbt community of utah is actually very extreme and i feel like it's because it's their way of rebelling against a mormon state while taking advantage of living in a Mormon state with wonderful neighborhoods and great schools and <laughs> all the yeah, benefits. That's crime. the irony of it. Yeah, exactly. Like, the stuff that I'm frustrated with Utahns about, we, we did have 1,500 people at our last protest that I did two weeks ago. And I'm going to- Amazing. Yeah, I'm going to ping you for the march. We're doing a march on the governor this Saturday at two. And I'd love to have you out front helping- you Girl, know, I'm there. The I'm so awesome. there. What an honor. I would absolutely love to be there. You tell me what you need and I will message all my people- and we will come and support that because our governor is an evil man. He is an evil man. He is a tyrant. Yeah. I spoke at a homeschool conference last weekend and someone who is fairly close to the governor came up afterwards and he said, oh, you're just, you're wrong about him. He's really just naive. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I, I, no, I've been watching no, this guy for naive. too long. Yeah. You know, the argument was he's just been advised by people badly. And I'm like, nope, there's too much evidence. I'm sorry. This is like secret combinations or Gadiant and robbers if for my LDS or Mormon listeners. I, that's what I think has really go gone on here. He's just probably just been compromised too many times. And I, I wanted to just finish a point that I was making yeah. earlier. But I think the walkaway campaign numbers of half a million are election changing numbers. If, if even half of those people are actual liberals that have come over to, you know, support President Trump or see that we need to fight for our freedom, we can't just continue this identity politics, social justice warrior in lieu of actual defending what we what our ancestors came here for in the first place, which is to get away from tyranny and fight for freedom. Those are, are numbers that could change the actual outcome of the election. I mean, I think Trump's going to win Absolutely. in a slide because oh, honestly, well, the I, I, would, I wouldn't take that for granted. My heart hopes that he will, but it's, it's going to be a fight. And if this election fraud mail and stuff mm -hmm. happens, we could be in trouble, but That's you are right. People him. are awakening people like me who couldn't take it any longer. I couldn't stay silent. I can't watch these radicals take over my beautiful country and infringe on my, my Second Amendment rights and my constitutional rights. And that 500,000 on there, those are only the people who publicly came out and joined that. Trust me, there is a counter movement, but I don't want people to feel complacent like Donald Trump is going to get reelected. We need to be out there. We need to go to these events. We need to be in these marches because bodies matter, groups matter. And even though the media never even covers all these, you know, what, what you've done and what Eric did this past one, they don't even cover it. 
So no, they've they've comp- we've sent two press releases about the the we have been we're starting into our third week now of day and night march on the governor mothers march on the governor i mean you know you got to be a serious jerk to have all the mothers of the state organized to march on you mm-hmm. but we've been out in front of his um, mansion morning and night and not only has he never redressed our grievances never talked to us in any way never shown up at any of our events but also every single media outlet has completely panned it of course of course they have look bad and they're they're all they're all in league together but you know usually for my last question, it's, it's where can people find you? But you've already told us that lady, you're Lady Maga on all the different social media channels. Yeah, but just Lady Maga USA. That's my, um, that's my official um, name and social media, everything. So just Lady Maga USA, they can find me. Um, I'm, always, I'm always honored. My, I, I don't know how to handle my inboxes. I can't even respond to all the messages, but I get so many messages from closeted conservatives who say, I can't speak out because I'm worried about my job and all that. But what people don't realize is the reason you can't speak out and the reason you're worried about your job is because we are not speaking out. So stop it. Right. You have to that's, speak out and put your phone in your the... pocket and record the conversation. And if they discriminate against you, go for it. My friend Brokeback Patriot um, in Florida, he was fired for his political beliefs um, actually, while I was in Florida collaborating with him, and um, he had a GoFundMe and got like, I think it's probably like $30,000 now. And he's dedicated his entire life to fighting for conservative causes and for President Trump. So if you have the courage to be who you are, you will be rewarded, whether it's with new friendships, new opportunities, a different job, but we cannot stay silent. It is un American and it is morally wrong for you to know the truth and not speak up because people who spoke up are the reason you have your freedoms. And it is your job and your duty as an American to speak up and do something when you see injustice. And so yeah, that's I, what we gotta do. I totally agree. And I've had this conversation with so many influencers. I'm like, how come I'm all alone among the Utah influencers and in speaking up about this and all like, well, we really support what you're doing. We agree with you and we're following you, but but we can't because we have a personal brand. And I'm like, come on, I have a personal brand too. But anyway, so for exactly. my, my last question, what I, wanted to, what I wanted to come around to, which is where I started, is that the kind of conversation that you had with John, which probably didn't, didn't really, you know, wasn't all that meaningful to you. But for us, it was really profound because Amazing. I've been kind of like, I've been kind of like, hey, John, like, don't judge. But what, what he was judging you for came out of his mouth. And I was a little bit dismayed. But he said something like, oh, come on. He said, oh, come on, Ryan, you, you, you like the attention. And you very articulately explained to him that you are not actually all about attention. I, I love it if you would kind of say what you said. And it started with how you yeah, actually yeah. feel re- about I wearing remember. that. I remember. Yeah. Obviously, I'm a Leo. I am a performer. I am an artist. I do appreciate admiration and attention and anyone who says they don't is lying it's part of being a human being but the attention that i am trying to grab is attention with a purpose when people take photographs with me or they admire what i'm doing or they crowd around me and all that of course i'm smiling and and i enjoy that that is magical it's the one-on-one connection with people that i meet at these rallies at one of them there was a line of like 50 people the whole time to come and get a picture with me. And of course it's an honor and a privilege to have that. But what I explained to him was, um, I do love the interaction. 
What I love about being Lady Maga USA is the joy it brings to those around me. And then I feed off of that joy and that positive energy and the exchange is magical. But the actual experience of dressing up in the Lady Maga clothing is very physically excruciating. My toes are crammed into the end of those boots. I'm wearing two pairs of tights. I'm wearing padding. I'm wearing three wigs that are very hot and very uncomfortable. My eyebrows are actually glued down completely with glue so that I can paint on that, the, the feminine eyebrows. I'm wearing co colored contacts that are fairly itchy. Um, the and then just the heat of it, especially in outdoor summertime events, I'm, I'm drenched with sweat. So the, it, I consider it a uniform and a personal sacrifice for my country. I felt called to do it in this way and so he says, yes, you love the attention. Uh, less than the attention, I love the love and interaction that I get to share with people because that's magical. And Lady Maga makes people exceptionally happy because I'm funny, I'm cracking the jokes, I'm giving compliments, I'm a hugger. And it's, for, for a lot of people, it's a rather powerful experience. This you know, seven foot tall person is so different and just told me that I'm beautiful. And, it's, um, I, I love that magic of those moments. So um, of course we all, we all appreciate attention, but I deliberately draw attention to Lady Maga USA because of the political message behind her. And right now that political message is we must speak out, be loud, be proud of our American patriotism and reelect our president, Donald Trump. And this sounds kind of weird to say, but Donald Trump is literally the savior of the freedom of humanity at this time on our planet. It is a fact. He is the only one who is fighting for true freedom across the globe. And he's imperfect, just like Benjamin Franklin was and just like Martin Luther King was, but he must be reelected. So um, I, the attention that I draw is drawing attention to his reelection and also our constitutional rights. So. Yeah, but I do. I love to sparkle. I love to put together a look. I love um, taking pictures with people. Of course, it feeds your ego. Of course, it feels nice. It's an honor. But um, I had my fun as a drag queen. I had plenty of attention in the shows that I did before I created Lady Maga USA. And those were in air-conditioned um, venues with uh, air-conditioned dressing room to retreat to as soon as you were done performing. You're not standing outside in the heat for up to six hours interacting with people. So it's a sacrifice. It's a very physically demanding thing to do. But like for your march, I'm not just going to come as me. I'll come as Lady Maga and I will march and smile the entire time. And nobody ever knows that, <laughs> that I'm like in so much physical discomfort. <laughs> Well, I'll of course be thinking about that, but I do, that is exactly the sort of the conclusion that I came to. And I told John later, I said, I feel like he's kind of thrown himself on the sword because it's so important to him that, that we retain our freedom and our freedom is in jeopardy right now. So on just, I, I just want to thank you from me and my husband for well, what an honor. It, yeah. You're, you're really, what you're doing is, is really amazing because you're, forcing us to stop putting people in file folders and see them as the individual that they are. And to me, that is high vibration. So thank you so much, Ryan. Uh, well, God bless you.